no fly list. Um, well, as, as far as the no fly list, no fly list, no fly list. If you want that list, that list, list. The most problematic thing is, is that any, any, anyone can be under the investigation of the FBI. FBI, FBI. FBI. And I know that something really good is going to come out of all of this. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of the No Fly List where we talk to comedians, artists, musicians, and other interesting and cool people of color. I'm Sabine. And I'm Ithir. And today we had TJ Hoashim. Are you sure that's yes, his last that's, name? I swear to God he said it like that. He came in here and I was like, how do you say it? And he's like, Tenile Hoashim. Okay, I don't, I don't know about that, but he Look, goes by TJ for a reason. <laughs> I, I feel you on that, and if he's mad at me about that, he can just listen to this and take it on the court. Like, oh, we yeah. Just, we'll, we'll hash it out. I forgot we'll you guys are tennis rivals. We talked about uh, we you guys playing tennis together. My whole purpose is to destroy him on a tennis court. That's why I live. That's why he was here today, <laughs> just to get intel. Yeah. <laughs> just wanted to learn more about him and his strategy, you know? So you can, can take him find down. his weak spot and oh, take him down. hundred percent. Oh, my God. TJ was uh, so cool to listen to because he seems really grounded and insightful and I really love like talking about yes um, like Buddhism and uh, like just the different philosophies oh, yeah. of life that help us stay grounded especially when you're doing comedy and you it's such a crazy atmosphere that you right. need something to like hold like, it makes me so happy you. to see people like that that can be so grounded and, and calm and find that peace and acceptance oh my god when he talked about acceptance, acceptance I was yeah. like I'm loving this truly I was like TJ needs to be my therapist like I'm so yeah. obsessed with his energy right now and then you were shining because I know you read a lot about like just philosophy of Buddhism and all of these different things I mean it's really out of desperate search to uh, <laughs> figure out what's wrong with me but it but does you've learned help. a lot in the process but I've learned a lot that it doesn't work no no it does it it's does. just cool because you know I feel like you know even for me I'm like always in my Islamic philosophy of things and like I pray to do these but when I hear about like other other spiritualities and like how people find their grounding and their self self of purpose and it just it's beautiful because I can like just really relate to that and it's I don't know it just shows that yeah. all these religions are kind of similar in that way they really are just like a guide a way of life I don't think yes. that any of these philosophies even contradict Islam right you know and I I think it can help you know kind of feed into that because it's all about love acceptance mm -hmm. Accepting yourself and your situation and then accepting the people around you and being, you know, tolerant. And yeah. those are the messages I think get lost when people start taking over religion, right? Because anything that's run and by people, we are flawed as human beings. So if you have mm -hmm. something that is under the, you know, doctrine of humans, like they're gonna fuck it up somehow. And so, yes. so I think some of these messages sometimes get lost. Um, but it was really cool and hearing about how he like, you know, deals with the craziness of yeah. life, especially. In I mean, he really comedy. has, it's so interesting how calm he is about comedy. Like he's doing it full time. This is high stress, you know, it's like yeah. your paycheck is coming from like all the shows you do right. and he's out here and he's like, he's found his grounding and that's really impressive. Well, the fact that he even moved here from yeah. Haiti when he was 19, living a completely like different life than how he grew up. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we talked about like going into business school and then dropping out and realizing that he wanted to do comedy. Yeah. All of that takes a lot of courage. For sure. Yeah. You have to be mentally so strong and, and courageous. 
to be able to do that, you know? Yeah, and all of us, you know, we go through our depressive periods. It's not like, you mm -hmm. know, we talked about that too. Not just being all the time happy, but it's okay to be sad and just allowing yourself to feel what you feel. Yes, exactly. That was a beautiful thing. Um, when we, even when we talked about relationships and just being in love and <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was like, yeah, I was in love with this guy. And he's like, you can be in love. It's okay. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> You're right, TJ. You're on to something. He's done better work here than most of our therapists. You're right. You're really absolutely did. right. Well, it's just funny because like listening to both of you, I, I do tend to do this on, on this podcast where I will sit here and just be absorbing, absorbing the wisdom. And I'm like, yeah, I need to implement this stuff. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm hosting. Hey, <laughs> I'm so still here. Uh, the next question, like I truly feel like TJ saw me zone out into like <laughs> my own stuff. Uh, no, that's cool though. Well, ho hopefully you guys will zone out yes. and absorb. Yeah, uh, it will happen. Zone in. Zone, zone in. Tune in, zone in. Zone in. Zone in. Zone out. <laughs> there you go, dude. Um, but before we get to TJ's episode, we have a segment called the No Fly List, No Fly List, where we talk about people that we think shouldn't be able to fly, kind of our shit list, you mm -hmm. know, um, instead of putting innocent brown folks like ourselves. So Sabine, who do we have this week? Okay, this week it's kind of like a the, this type of a person. Um, basically someone who is dating in a relationship, but publicly and around, like in, in community events and things, they appear to be single. Like they have the single vibe. Like they're mm. a flirty person. They're not, you know, they're flirting with all the girls. They're just like, they don't hey, mention. What's up? Blah, blah, blah. They don't mention that I've, they're in a relationship. Yeah, that's happened to me a lot. Okay, to be Ugh. fair, when I was in college and I was in this long distance relationship, I did that. But, and that's you why. You were that person? I was that person. Oh so. my goodness. But now I'm on the no fly list. I'm on the no fly list. I'm hosting. <laughs> You but, stay there. <laughs> but now I have, I really have tried to redeem myself since and be so upfront. Like I used to never mention, because you know what it is like you yeah. want attention, but then it happened to me where a guy was sort of like stringing me along and like would talk to me like late at night, DM me, like act mm -hmm. like he was single. And then I was like, uh, asked a question. He's like, oh no, I'm, I've been in a relationship for five years. And I'm like, What? What? And he was, what? He was in a relationship he for was five like, years and he was talking to you? Yeah. Jesus. It's like, why are you, okay, it's like, why, are you not yeah, getting no, that from the person you're with? Or is that just not it. enough? And like, yeah. do you, and how unfair is it to that person? Like, they probably don't even know that he's like out here flirting and like not being like vocal about his relationship. I know. I actually feel bad for the people that are with these yeah. types of people. Um It's, it's fucked up. But has that, mm -hmm. has something like that ever happened to you? Yes. I totally had a crush on this dude. Um, I was in San Francisco and it was like, it was just like a dude that was in the community. And I think he was seeing someone for a while, but then anytime I saw him in person, we like had a lot in common and we would be a little flirty, but he would never ask me out and I can never make the first move. And like, after a few months of talking to him, just like, you know, kind of casually, slightly flirty on a little bit on social media, a little bit in person. I found out he was in a relationship with someone for so many years. And I was like, what? I hate that. And now they're married. And I just like, it's like, okay, great. But like, you should have kind of not flirted and act at least at the very least. There are flirty people. And I know we've talked yeah. about situations where um, I can be flirty, people, but I know yeah. how to turn it off. Like if I'm with someone, then to me, it doesn't feel good. But to, to also to, misrepresent yourself. Yeah. That's the fucked up part. Because at that point, you're lying. Yes, exactly. You know? And that, that's, If you're lying, you're not flying. And we <laughs> 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 
talked about that. is the motto I've of this podcast. I've said it before and I'll say it again, okay? You're you are not, not flying. Oh my God. I'm submitting your name to the no fly list. I um, but That's it's true and it's hurtful because that person is probably being, you know, if you're being genuine and then you're talking to somebody who is engaging with you and acting like they're interested and. <laughs> <laughs> and inside joke. Okay. Yes. Uh, inside joke, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in but any yeah. case, it's They can't act it's interested. Cruel. It's like, I feel like that's an easy way to be gaslit too. To, like yeah. if I ever confronted that guy, I was like, but like you were all flirty. He'd be like, what? We were just friends. So I had that happen to you know? me before. And uh, like, I, I, I've heard it from so many of my female friends specifically because I think it, and not to say it can't happen to women or women can't do this, but I'm, you know, since we date men, I'm, I'm coming at it from that perspective. Um, but they have been gaslit when they're like, hey, I think you're being flirty, flirty, flirty. You're being flirty. <laughs> you're being fruity loops. <laughs> fruit loops. <laughs> fruity pebbles. You're being fruity right now, okay? Fruit, you smell like cereal. strawberries. That actually would be really nice. <laughs> I know. Uh, compared to I would the, love to wake up just smelling like strawberries. That would be, yeah. Do you think like a, Ugh. the Kellogg's well, the factory? the to nanny, she would, whenever she ate strawberries, she just smelled like strawberries. And I was like, I need this in a perfume. But that's where Bath and Body Works comes in. There you go. Okay. Um, This got way off the I rails. I know, but like, but- yeah, he was, what was it? Go ahead. What was his name? <laughs> the dude was getting flirty. He said, you were getting flirty? And then I, I confronted him about it. And then he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. This oh. is just who how I am. Because I was like, hey, I'm in a relationship, whatever. And then I was t- talking to other friends. And, um, you know, this has happened like a few times. Because whenever guys feel rejected, then they'll try to act like they were never asking you out. Oh, oh my I, God. Yeah. That totally happened to me. You just remembered yeah, it. I, I just remembered. remembered. Yeah. Now I just remember oh, that. Jesus Christ. Oh, so t- the same type of people, I feel That's like. the same vibe. Because, yeah, that, sa- the, the, that same guy, no, but a different guy who was in my DMs, and he was just like, oh, I'd love to hang out, you know, sometime. At night blah, blah, for blah. dinner. For, yeah, it was pretty much like an evening hangout Basically plan. Basically saying and, every other word but date. Exactly. And so then I was just like, oh, you know, I don't think I'm interested in that way. Um, You know, I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to date or something about, I, I was being really honest about how I felt about it, which yeah. I know he was asking me out. And I was like, no, I'm not interested in that way. And he was like, oh, I wasn't asking you out. It was just like, you know, just uh, to hang out with friends. Hang. Yeah, I, I remember like, that. Yeah. I was like, dude, like, and I was like, okay, well, I, and then I just explained it to him. And I was like, no, the way you explained it, 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 it was definitely inferring to like you asking me out on a date because you literally said that I was pretty in the last post. And then you asked me out. And he was like, yeah, I could see how you could think that. Like, <laughs> he's like, I'll admit it, but I'm not going to admit it. Uh, that's just ego getting in the way. Yep. It's like I would have liked him better if he was just honest about it or like I would have had more respect for him. To I know. just be like, oh, you know what? You don't want to date me? Okay, no problem. Guys, honesty is, is the, the best, best policy. policy. And you know who is honest? <laughs> Who's honest? TJ. He is. So enjoy his philosophy, his presence, and mm-hmm. this episode. Hey, welcome, TJ. Hi, thank you guys for having me. Thanks yeah. for being here and uh, coming in all this rain. I know. Uh, I think I should get paid. I'm going to put this out on the record. I need to get paid mm-hmm. for this podcast because oh. I braved the rain. To how about, you did. yeah, you you should get, well, you get paid when we get paid. Yeah, how about that? Uh, Will you guys about, get paid? <laughs> how about Patreon? <laughs> People. Give you some Chinese join, food from the market. Join our, our yeah, they, we, we got you a water, and you know yeah. that's payment. that's that's a good payment. Our it's company is payment enough. That's I what agree. I think. Yeah, mm. you're so lucky. Oh, you know how much you. this would Thank cost you. you on OnlyFans? Yeah, <laughs> none because we're least not on 100 there. Bucks. <laughs> I'm starting. Um, right. So it, it's 
I haven't seen you in a while, and I feel like in the beginning, I would like beginning starting out, I'd see you all the time. But I guess yeah. you've been blowing up, and I've been <laughs> blowing up too. Blowing behind. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it see means. You. <laughs> yeah, we used to do. Uh, there's a show I would see you all the time. I can't remember which one. Was it? Remember that spot that was on 14th Street? Yeah, uh, Bunga's Den. Yes. I used, I used to, to host see you there called? all I never the heard time. Of that. Everyone make fun of the name. It was called Bunga's Den, R.I.P. Bunga's Den. Yeah. It was like this dive bar, and I had my first, first, first ever like produced show there, which was Shady right. Pines Comedy Hour, right, which was right. so fun, and you were already killing it then. Um, yeah, it was a good venue. It was a bar in the front end. There was a really good room separated in the back, oh, and it was cool. a good location. Yeah, it was great. Like 14th Street, was- Union Square slash Sixth Avenue area. Oh, it's not like happening anymore. That place. I was literally on a flight back, and I had a show book that Monday, and it was like a Saturday. And then I found out through Facebook that they decided to close it and not tell anyone, including the bartenders. Oh no! Did you hear about that? Yeah. Also, yeah. my mic stand is still there. Yeah. I bought. I, someone <laughs> broke the mic there. stand, and I it. bought a new mic stand for the room. And then everyone, uh, I guess it's just there now or oh. whatever. And Maybe it was a front for something, you know? It could have been money laundering and some oh. shit went south and they're like, all right, we'll just close it. Maybe, maybe. A lot of I heard, like I heard other things. I was like pretty friendly with the manager and I was like kind of offended. Like, What'd he you didn't... hear? Um, I get, it was him and his brother and I think they just like went separate ways. I think they just mismanaged oh. like, or one Got kind it. of wanted to do more management. One was like, oh, I don't want to do this stuff or something like that. Nothing mm-hmm. is... Mm. scandalous as yeah. we would have hoped. But. What about the knitting factory? I heard that's closing down. Yeah. What happened with that? that? What? Yeah. You didn't I saw see a post, post? Three, no. days on, three days ago closing? on social media. Are you kidding me? I have no I idea. I think uh, maybe they didn't survive the pandemic. They didn't rebound because it was that's so tough. so crazy to me because I feel like it's so popular. I'm, all, I'm like, It what? is, but it, it lost some steam recently. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That you know, the, the show they that, that Sunday show used to be really cool. Yeah. Because, you know, Hannibal did it for five or six years. And that was one of the, that was easily the coolest shows on Sundays in New York City, for sure. And mm-hmm. then you, Hannibal leaving, giving it to those three guys. And they did a good job, Clark and Kenny and mm-hmm. Will. Mm-hmm. And then they gave it to the girls who also did a good job. And then, I don't know, maybe the pandemic sort of. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, well, it's going to be around till August, so there's still time to check it out. I'm shocked about the number of places that did survive the pandemic that were yeah. barely on their last leg to begin with. Yeah, like, that's how, what surprised that, the knitting factory. I'm those like, are the mo- money laundering fronts, probably. There's an Indian restaurant on my block, and it it's not even built like a restaurant. It looks like somebody's house. <laughs> and whenever I walk authentic. by, there's like one person eating. <laughs> And they survived the pandemic. They they still there. They're looking good, but it's still <laughs> one person eating in there. I'm like, how did you guys get through this? It's just the owner. How do you pay your rent? This is insane. I have no idea. <laughs> I think also a bunch of places got small business loans, maybe yes. from the government, and yeah. then they. That's uh, true. Are you? I know. Yeah, I know people like just the, like the company the, I work for. Yeah, he's got. Oh, that, which that was a lot of loan. fraud going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, we <laughs> cannot true. confirm nor deny. Right. How much money did you guys get? No, no, not uh, her (laughs) My company, we're not going to talk about it, but we don't trust them that much. But, you know, they're doing something. But they're great. Yeah, Uh, they're so good. I love them. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How's comedy been for you since uh, the pandemic? And It's been pretty good, actually. I, I was one of those people during the pandemic. I was... I was nervous, but I wasn't losing my mind about like, oh, will I ever be able to do this again? I was like, well, this isn't happening to me. This yeah. is happening to the world. 
So I just hunkered down. I was like, all right, I'm just going to wait to see. You know, I was worried about rent and all that stuff. You so stayed in New York the whole time? I stayed, yeah. Wow. Because I didn't really have... Like, it's either New York or Haiti. A lot of options. Yeah, I could go home to Haiti <laughs> or maybe go to Florida where some family lives, but oh. fucking Florida, right? Yeah, Why I, I went to Alabama, yeah. Chicago, oh, yeah, three months. That's, it was that's kind of oof. accidental because I was going to visit the same weekend the lockdown happened. And then I was yeah. like, well, I'll just stay an extra two weeks, turned into three months. So. Wow. Yeah, I stayed in. I would do like a little Zoom thing with some friends every week, so that was nice to have. And yeah, we did a bunch of Zoom we stuff. We did so yeah. many Zoom We did so many FaceTime. Instagram lives. Instagram lives. We had <laughs> very short-lived mic I guess on Instagram yeah. called buns and bits because we'd always have our hair up We would just do our buns. bits online and people would comment like punchlines and I was like, that was actually helpful. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You should do a special. You know who used to do that? Uh, Maria Bamford because she's she so did? unique as a performer. Aww. She would invite, she would go on Twitter like I need one person to do 45 minutes for <laughs> and then somebody would be like, okay, I'm available and then she would have one person on a Zoom meeting and she would do 45 minutes wow. for Okay. I during this? Can she? I'm gonna reach out to her. Why would it be one person? Like, I'm sure I would rather like ten. Maybe she does weird stuff like that. Yeah, because her 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 special special was with her parents. It was just her parents on a couch, and that That was was so cute. She's very unique. I like her a lot. She's open for her one time. She was so cool. She's like the nicest, and I also like you know a lot of us struggle with mental health stuff, and I like how open she is about it. And she does it in such a weird way, like all of her voices and like everything. It's like dark but so quirky, and I'm like, you're the best. Yeah. I mean, when you see her, you're like, oh, God, you you harness your mental illness so well. Because yeah. if that was just some lady on the street, you'd be like, who the fuck is that <laughs> like, Get her some help. Uh, so thank God for microphone. her that she found yeah, comedy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for a lot of us, <laughs> we have a place to channel our, our yeah, yeah, that energy. Rough. Yeah. I feel like she was one of the, the main comics when I was, like, brand new that, like, influenced me to start stand-up. She had this Paula Dean bit. Do you guys remember that one? No. Where she says, like, no, um, every it? recipe that Paula Dean does, uh, creates is, like, a suicide note. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she just does, like, full-on impressions of Paula Dean. And it's, like, insane. That is hilarious. I gotta listen oh, God, to that. It's so funny. It's, yeah. Yeah. But Before Paula horrible. Dean was canceled. Oh, yeah. Paula Dean got canceled. <laughs> yeah. yeah the N-word. The- <laughs> Who would have thought Paula Dean? <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, there were a lot of bits about it. It was it was just a very easy thing to just talk about because she yeah. was big in the food world, and then she would make a lot of food that's southern, so that means a lot of black people like it. Then right. she drops the N word, so it was kind of a good place to go and find <laughs> jokes for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where do you draw from your you know inspiration from for your comedy? Ah oh, man, I. Well, obviously, being an outsider looking in, so that's that's interesting for me personally, just sort of like coming here, having lived a very different life from the average American. So that gives me a place to sort of like an eagle-eyed view. You're like, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's how you guys live. Yeah. When did you come here? I came here in 2008. Okay. So you were born and raised in Haiti mm-hmm. and then moved straight to New York, 2008? Well, I was in Florida for a month oh, or so, okay. and then I went to school in Long Island, not New oh, York okay. City. So I right. was in Long Island, and I went to school there for two years, and then I dropped out. What'd you and, go to school uh, for? Uh, business management oh. with oh a minor in political science. Whoa. Me too, business management. Yeah. It was so boring. Yeah, it was one of those oh things, like, Seems I like started having, you know, some sort of, like, 
life changes in, in high school. And then, you know, I, I was sort of primed to do the thing that immigrants are supposed to do. Like, I was yeah. good in school, so I was primed to be, like, doctor or engineer. And then my final year in high school, I started thinking, maybe that's not really what I want. Yeah. So I picked business management just because it seemed like it was broad enough that you would get some skill to do almost anything in life. And then when I got to college, I realized it was kind of boring but then I fell in love with comedy, and I was thinking about that a little bit. And then the earthquake happened in Haiti, so that sort of gave me that final little push to be like, oh, life is too fleeting. You should just go and do what you yeah. want. So that's when I finally decided to go do comedy. Mm, yeah, That's so interesting. I feel like, uh, at least for me, and I've heard from a few other people, I don't know if it's the same for you, Sabine, but comedy, you know, it happens when you're either at a really low place, or for me, I was having an existential crisis. And Yeah, that's um, basically I like, what I had. What well, was your existential crisis? So I was living in New York. I mean, I moved here in 2008. Um, I didn't really take stand-up seriously until like 2012, um, but I was at a job that I hated. I had just gotten out of this long-term relationship that was kind of like part of the reason I moved here. And I hated this job that I thought was going to be a dream job, and I hated it. And I was like, well, fuck, like, what is my purpose? What am I doing here? And then I got like really, really depressed, and I was like, well... Uh, I, it, my mortality just became so, like, clear to me mm -hmm. that I was like, well, who the fuck cares if people don't laugh at you? Like, that's the worst mm -hmm. that can happen. Like, you're going to die one day. Do something yeah. you want yeah. to do. And the fact that you can fail and be mis uh, uh, miserable at something that you don't want to do, right? Like, you could have been, you could have gone engineering school or doctor, or any of us could, mm -hmm. and still be miserable or, or also fail at it. So you might as well try something, yeah. even though it's hard. You know, but it's something that you love, and that will keep the flame kind of going. No, yeah. I feel like that's facing, like, and really embracing and looking at your mortality, uh, to me, is the greatest thing that can happen to anyone. Like, I feel bad for people if they never have that moment, mm -hmm. because it sort of changes the fundamental belief that you have about life as a whole, because now you're looking at it with, like, clarity and wisdom, like, uh, yeah. Confucius has a really good quote that goes, every man has two lives. The second one begins the moment he realizes he only has one. Mm. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that's what it becomes yeah. for everybody. Because you're like, what, what am I living for? Am I living to, you know, make my parents happy and they could be proud? Or am I trying to tap into whatever gift I may have to make life better for me and people around me. It doesn't have to be I'm trying to be a millionaire, but everybody's got some sort of gift. Yeah. I don't know what it is for, you know, there's a lot of people out there. And the saddest thing is sometimes people have gifts that the world doesn't care for. So that's mm -hmm. kind of tragic. But if you have a gift and you find a way to use it, I think... That's the best use you can make yeah. of your life. That's what mm -hmm. Picasso said, right? Like, the meaning of life is to find your gift, and the purpose of life is to give it away. Yes. Oh, yes. I love that. That's basically what it should be. Wow. Yeah. My dad thought my gift was uh, being a salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> the whole you time TJ was talking, I was like, you got the gift of gab, <laughs> kid. <It was> like, <laughs> my dad's voice in my head is playing, and he's yeah. like, always being closing. Like, honey, Sabine. honey, uh. you just know how to talk to people. You got to got real estate is your calling. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe he saw the skill, yeah. but not the gift. I mean, right. the skill of talking, 
doing it, comedy is sort of like being a good salesman. Uh, in yeah, a way. it is. Yeah. You got to be a good salesman. So did yeah. you have an existential crisis? Oh, yeah, or you just... for sure. No, I had so many different jobs and I was so upset that I couldn't find something that like fit me. Mm -hmm. And all my friends were like happy in their nine to fives and I was so miserable. But were they though? I mean, yeah, let's they call weren't. them up now. No one's happy. Let's call them right now. Uh, <laughs> let me get them on the line. Were they happy in the sense of like American... Happiness, as in, like, I, I got a, I got a house. I yes, got a, in a that happiness. Fence and my yeah. children and a minivan, and I'm good. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I, I realized it wasn't enough. So whenever I would, I had like a good sales job in San Francisco. So I moved a little bit, so I could kind of like explore the world a little. I was tired of Chicago, so I went to San Francisco, and I was just like, you know, I had a high paying job, and I was like, I can't do the same thing every day. Like I, well, maybe I could, but that wasn't the thing. Right, and you'd be miserable. I was miserable. Mm -hmm. I was, I hated it. I mean, like, I'm great at sales, but I didn't want to talk to people all day, like, and sell ad space for Indeed.com as my full-time job. And, like, I just gave away their name. Um, okay. But Did it don't feel care. like... It's interesting to me when, when people find dissatisfaction in their work because the thing that you might be dissatisfied with could be great for someone else. So yeah. what did it feel like when... Do you feel like your contribution to society was kind of shady because you were just selling products to people? I just felt like I wasn't living up to my personal potential. Got it. It was like okay. that, where I was like, oh, I feel like I'm actually better than what I'm doing now. Like, this isn't something that I don't feel like I'm shining. This isn't yeah. something that makes me feel good. Right, right, right. That's cool. Yeah. So, isn't that also, yeah. I don't know if you guys had this, but for me, it was devastating to admit to myself that comedy is what I want to do with my life. Because the minute I owned up to it, I had a responsibility now to follow it. So step right. one for me was like acknowledging like, fuck, this is what I want to do in my life. <laughs> and I remember a moment in therapy where I was like crying, like the first time I was in therapy and I'm like crying and crying. And then I was like, <laughs> why was it comedy? <laughs> because I thought my life, I had this five-year plan. I worked really hard to be a nutritionist. I still love nutrition. Uh -huh. I still have a passion for it. It is still fulfilling like, um, like I still consult a few times a week for myself with like clients and I, it is super fulfilling. Yeah. But then I realized it's not what wakes me up in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so to almost like feel like you're breaking up with this idea of this like attachment that you had to your future. Yeah. That was the devastating kind of grief. And then now I'm like, fuck, now I had this whole plan laid out. I was on this like PhD track. I was going to do blah, 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 whatever. Mm -hmm. And now I have to derail all that for a career I know nothing about. Except mm -hmm. the fact that I want to do this. And yeah. I'm such a, like, a type A kind of need to see, like, the next five years. Like, and oh, there's no blueprint yeah, for a, comedy. That's but a it, rough hard. business for type A people. Yeah. But it actually, right. it helps me in some way. So I use a, a lot of the same skills into, like, comedy and organizing yeah. and all that. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to let go of the idea of, like, um, uh, routine and structure and uh, just, uh, like, predictability. Yeah. Which is what also makes you miserable at your nine to five job. Yeah, right. It's like a weird, and then you come into yeah. a creative business and you're like, I wish there was more structure. Where's the like, agent? No, yeah, you yeah. signed up for craziness and then it's sanity. So, so enjoy it. It's I truly best. love it. The spontaneity of comedy yeah. and like the, our weird schedules and lives, like it does give me a lot of excitement. But I do miss stability too. Yeah. So it's it's, it's tough. It's finding the the balance. I miss corporate health yeah. insurance. Ooh. Yeah. That was fun. Stuff. That was mm. good. That was fun. Yeah. Right before I quit my job, I went to all the doctors. I made yeah. all my rounds. I got a couple of root canals. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Just for the, <laughs> just in case. I went to see uh, a friend this weekend. Do you remember David Finkelstein? Yes. 
Okay. He, I do. I haven't seen him around. This he sort something. of quit. Okay. And he's become he like very an funny. adult now. He was so naturally funny. So funny. He lives in Staten Island with his wife and they're trying to have kids. They just bought a house. Wow. Yeah. So I went to see him and Wait, we were just... Wasn't he coming out of the Orthodox community when he during was, comedy he started... He's basically out of it. He's still a Jew now, but it doesn't do... He, we were drinking, we we're grilling, so that's Whoa. the stuff he wasn't allowed oh. to do anymore. And he's having sex now. So he's living his best life. You yeah, know? good for him. Yeah. And we were talking about why he sort of, you know, quit, quote unquote. Because he, he does like one Jewish show a year yeah. <laughs> for a bunch of money, but he doesn't do comedy anymore. And he was telling me that he just didn't know how to deal with the unpredictability of it all. Like, I need to know where my rent is coming from this month. Right. And that's very rare to have that in comedy unless you get famous real quick. Yeah. Well, what does he do now? He works for... A, how do you call it? I don't remember the name of it, but it's a it's a com it's a Jewish company that takes care of like uh, home care. Like they have mm. old people and you know, oh, yeah, like nursing long term homes and that kind of stuff like that. Re yeah. or facility or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But I wonder if it's like you know, there's a way to find that balance where you can still, I mean, work. A lot of us work part time, or people have like ta mm -hmm. do task grab it or Uber or whatever. That was, that a lot of people have gig. gig. My first yeah. real gig. Task grab it. Yeah. A lot of comics oh. are on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to make money if you're good at it because... And you have the physical endurance. Right. That's hard. Because you set up your schedule. So mm -hmm. I know I would I could work from 9 to like 4 p.m. and then I would go to open mics and do shows. And then I set myself up a minimum. Like if I made that in four days, then I only work four days a week. And then yeah. I could just go hard over the weekend. Yeah. What do you yeah. do now for like daytime? Are you just, Is it full-time comedy? Yeah. It's, it's fun, but it's also scary because mm -hmm. now... I have to, every week, I'm like, all right, let's see how many spots I got. Because yeah. there's no other way money is coming in. So now I got to focus and make sure mm -hmm. I send my avails to everybody so I know the money is coming in. For sure. Yeah. And then what about acting? Do you do anything in that space? I've, I've, my manager sends me auditions sometimes. I've done a few things, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of myself as an actor, no. Okay. That's how I feel. I'm kind of yeah. in the same spot where I'm like, I've done a couple auditions here and there, but I want to get mm -hmm. better. Well, once, now we have to do everything. Yeah. Once in a while when I get but, an audition yeah. for something that I'm really excited about, I'll go hard. Like yeah. last right. year I had an audition for Curb and that's <gasps> one of my all-time favorite Me shows. Me too. I love Curb. I yeah. It was, I was like, oh, I'm going to, I did I did a pretty good job, I think. And then I, I didn't get it. So I kind of was like, oh, I can't yeah. wait to see They're like, we already this. have one black guy on the show. Right. I'm sorry. That spot <laughs> like, is taken. JB, move, move over. And the, the, <laughs> the part I auditioned for was funny because I was going to be in a parking lot arguing with Larry and JB Smoove about the spot. Oh, okay. So it was That's just, you, you, they give you the, like, this I is what it, it is, already. improv, and talk shit to Larry about the parking spot. And I was like, this is fun. So yeah. I got to do it, and I sent it in, and then never heard anything. I was like, all right, I didn't get it. So I waited when the show came out to see who got it, and it got cut. So they didn't do that scene at all. So I kind of oh. felt good about it. Yeah, so yeah I was like, even if you got it, like, or, it was yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right. You yeah. Know, just gonna, it's yeah. not meant to be. Yeah. And yeah. that's fine. That's also the other thing is learning to, like, let go of things that um, yeah. don't... Yeah. They're probably just not right for us. It's fine. It's, and that's hard. There's so mm. much rejection in this business that so it's much. not for the faint yeah. of heart. No, acceptance is what I found is the most important quality you can develop because sometimes you just... You make those plans and you're like, all right, this is what's going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, you have to be able to accept that it didn't and move forward with that. Because I... In the past, I've found myself getting stuck in terms of 
I wanted this, I planned for this, that, that, and then it didn't happen. And then I'm like, fuck, what do I do now? What you do is you move on. You go and do other things because you accept it. Because you're not in control of it. I remember getting so depressed because around 2017, I had a couple of things going on pretty nicely. And I thought, oh, okay, this is the year. So Mm -hmm. I told my dad I'm going to buy him a car when I make showbiz money. And then all the things that (laughs) I was so excited about, none of them happened. Damn it. Oh. Yeah, so I got, like, really down on myself because I'm like, oh, fuck, I let my dad down. It's like, yeah. no, it's it's just the way it goes. You're not in control of that. You did your best and it didn't yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. Rebrand, rebalance, and then go back at it. How yeah. do they feel about you doing comedy? Like uh, they're still not on board, but less so now. It was pretty rough in the beginning because my mom is a very uh, high-strung Caribbean woman, you know, just... A narcissistic, even yeah, and she's like, I should be the one on stage. <laughs> Give <laughs> me the much. microphone. <laughs> or like, she wanted to be a doctor, so I should have been a doctor for her. Right? That Funny kind of how lived her yeah, dream. they want us to. Mm-hmm. They want to live vicariously wow. through us. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. So that didn't happen, and when she found that I was doing comedy, she didn't speak to me for three months. Wow. So there was just a lot of. Like, all right, I guess I'm going to do this for myself. It doesn't matter if you support it or not. That's what I want to do, so let me live my life. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. your dad? Was- my dad is... That's something I notice a lot in Caribbean households, where the dad tends to be very chill and passive, and the mom is the headstrong one. That's so how it is. If my mom was cool with it, he would be cool. But yeah. because she was against it, so he had to pretend to go along with her and be like, what are you doing with your life? But deep down, I know he's like, all right, do what makes you happy. But yeah. he wouldn't say that. Publicly. At least you have that balance or like mm-hmm. one. Yeah. One, it's important for one parent. What you're going to say is that, is that similar for your culture? No, it's the opposite in my experience, but my boyfriend's Haitian and that seems to be the case in his family. Yeah. His parents. Yeah. Very Who's your boyfriend? Is he a comedian? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> he does producing and acting, but we'll, okay, cool. we'll, we'll talk about it off mic. My, yeah. my, yeah. par- my parents don't know. Oh, oh. oh, let's just send them this podcast. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned enough times that if my parents ever know how to use iTunes one day. I feel like your mom's like one step away. She's already on Instagram. Yeah, so. I, she's, it's, although instead of like liking my pictures, she follows and unfollows me every time. <laughs> so, I love like, that six so times. much. So like <laughs> every day. Just fucking up with yourself. Yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? And then the other day I saw that she watched watched my story and I was like, oh, fuck, I guess I'm not posting pictures of us on my stories. No, no, I, I then muted her to, so I mean, uh, made her not see my stories. Oh, does she not know that you have a boyfriend? No, she was like grilling. I was just in Palestine. She was grilling me every time I was going out, but in like a hat, like she was like, oh, who are you going out with? Because we were in Palestine. So she was like happy, like maybe if you're found someone. And then I was crying the day before I left because I was like really anxious about the whole journey. And, That's so interesting. And Hold she on, was how like, how old are you? I'm 35. Really? Yeah. And it would be like a bombshell if your mom found out you had a boyfriend at 35 years old. Well, that's, no, that's Muslim no, no, culture, not though. having, yeah, not, yeah, it does not matter if you're 50. You, yeah, but dating is such a weird thing in the culture. But also dating someone who's not Palestinian, who's not, Arab exactly. or Muslim yeah. or any of the mm. cultural stuff. That's the bombshell. Yeah. Um, although, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk. I think they'll be open. We'll have to do to a, an episode just about what the day when I, but I want to make sure, like, I told them, like, in our culture, you can't just, Oh, I'm dating here, mom, dad. I'm just dating someone. They're gonna be like, "What? Well, you can't just bring anyone home." It's like, oh, anyone you bring home is a person that is gonna ask for your hand. So, right. yeah, unless like we get to that point, then there's no why. 
why do that, right? Yeah. Why do that to myself and to him and put him under that? Like, yeah, the parents, they get too excited. Like, if I talk to my mom about a guy I'm dating, she'll be like, okay, well, is he ready to convert? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Mom, like, oh, we haven't even gone on a third date. I'm like, mom, Conver- not yet. I'm working on it. Conversion is date four. Mom, let's get all the bases covered, Fred. He hasn't reached third base. We need that yeah. before. Third ba- first base is getting engaged. Yeah, that's first base. Legit. And then you can date after mm-hmm. getting engaged. Holy moly. Yeah, dating is after marriage. That's how Wait, it works. Are yeah. you both very deeply... Well, you're not Muslims, obviously. You are, but are you from very devout Muslim families? Very like, devout especially my dad I am you know I consider myself culturally Muslim I'm not practicing right. like um, do you eat pork no, no that's the one <laughs> that's the one that, thing that's the thing that really stuck but I'm very practicing I mean I hope I don't know I've always been so very practicing none of you know the joys of bacon you don't know any of them I have not I've eaten it accidentally uh, I honestly Me too, did an accident. didn't really like it but here's the thing I've talked about this on like with like with Osama City on uh, Mango Bay. We talked about it with other like with each other. There are a lot of like non-practicing Muslims that you know you drink, do everything else, you just don't eat pork, and it's because they gross you out from when you're a kid. Like you're like this mm. is disgust. It's like yeah. thinking about eating dog meat. It's like yeah. suddenly someone be like, no, no, it's okay to eat dog meat, and then you're like, no, really I don't want to eat dog meat. Yeah. I've gone my like this whole time not right. eating dog meat. And I don't Why feel like I'm missing out because it's like you know we eat so many other meats that right. I'm like, okay, well, what's I mean, I like goat, I love I like lamb, lamb and goat, yeah. So it doesn't really feel like I'm missing out. And it's almost like at this point, your body might react poorly. That's to what it I too. think. It it does Probably. turn. Even when I ha- like found out afterwards, uh, like there's a prep sandwich, like a meatball sandwich. I thought it was beef, and then I always I felt really weird after eating it. And then I look at the wrapper, and it's got like a mix. It's mixed turkey, pork, whatever. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe my body's just like not used to having that. Right, because your mind spent so much time thinking it's bad, so now your yeah. body just rejects it. Well, also you just haven't had. I don't know. I. It's weird, but it does. Right. I could tell that something tastes weird. So for me, okay. it just, I don't know. What about like, alcohol? Do you guys drink? I do. I don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm still dealing with my religious stuff, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> dealing with it, it's okay. It's it's always it's well it's, it's hard because I don't have anyone. Yeah. I mean, I feel well. I feel very like isolated because I am practicing. So then it's like kind of hard where I'm always like, where's my line? Like, wh- what can what do I do? What makes me feel guilty? It's very confusing. Mm. Do you pray five times a day? I try, but okay. I, you know, there's weeks where I don't pray at all, and then I feel bad. I go back into it, but for me, it's like uh, it's grounding. That's what I like about it. Like I yeah. feel, I feel grounded when I'm practicing and like praying, and then mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I feel connected again. I okay. think the ritual so. part is also really comforting. Yeah, like even when I, like now I think about it because like after getting into meditation and spirituality and all that stuff. Um, I'm like, oh, I understand why, like, prayer, it's for you. It's not for God. It's because it is like meditation. You're reciting. Meditation, you're I feel five, like meditation and prayer are basically the same th- thing. Exactly. Yeah. You're taking some people five, think yeah. they're talking to God, and some people think they're just talking to themselves. Or, or the universe self. or their higher self. Yeah, that's, right. so that's where I've sort of shifted more of, like, the Sufi kind of perspective of, mm-hmm. like, finding the divine within you, finding the God in you and connecting to your higher self. And, I mean, Sufis still, like, pray five times a day, you know, um, uh, fast Ramadan, all that stuff. But I sort of, I don't know. I kind of pick and choose my own little hodgepodge. That's what I joke about spirituality. Like, it's like declaring your major is undecided. That's that's where I'm. Yeah, I'm I'm big on meditation. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. You seem very, like, zen and chill. You feel spiritual. And I'm, like, was wondering. I was, like, do you practice anything? (laughs) 
or well, I was raised Christian, and then I gave that up when I, you know, once mm. I discovered sex, I was like, well, that's eh, not gonna work out. So, <laughs> <laughs> and but I've always been like a searcher in terms of like the meaning of everything and why we do some of the things we do, why all these religions exist, and. I've landed on, I think Buddhism is probably my favorite philosophy. Yeah. Not a religion per se, yeah. just the philosophy. What of is it. the philosophy? And, well, the philosophy of it is basically uh, you start with a fundamental truth that I think everybody could agree on, and that's what the Buddha came onto is that life is suffering. And attachment is suffering is exactly. another thing that I've That's the from main Buddhism. source yeah. of attachment suffering. Attachment is the main source of suffering, yeah. Life is suffering. And here's a couple of things that I've found that can <laughs> help alleviate Suck that less. suffering. Okay. And I think that's a universal truth for it's, anybody, no yeah. matter what your religion is. You know, desire makes you suffer because you want things and you may right. not get them. That makes you suffer. Uh, addiction can make you suffer. Just wanting to be loved can make you suffer. Just life in general, there's going to be things mm. that do not go your Even way. Even the—this is kind of similar— I. But it's like the uh, there's a a book I read on psychology and it was like even the attachment to happiness is antithetical to happiness that's right. because you're that's attaching right. yourself. First of all, you can't be seeking happiness and be happy at the same time. Right. That's so happiness is acceptance and being in harmony with the way things are. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I like that. I think Buddhism is the most psychological out of the systems out there, just because there's things that I'm reading and I'm like, oh. This is what a psychologist is studying now, but the Buddha knew that 2,000 so, years ago. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. I used to go to this Buddhist, like, meditation place, and he always, um, and he has a podcast, Josh Korda, shout out, he's amazing. Um, and he brings in, like, a research paper from, like, mm -hmm. a neuroscience, like, medical journal, and then and then talks about it and does a talk and, and relays it back to the Buddha, and then we do a meditation based on that. And that was, cool. like, really grounding and cool yeah. for me. But, yeah, I'm not married to one, one like, way of thinking or philosophy because, actually, if you look into all of them, they, they have a common thread. Yeah, they're just trying to give mm -hmm. us good ways to live good lives. Yeah. And, you know, I think everybody needs that. The problem is when... You have any any system that is ran by people, it's not going to be perfect because people are flawed. Yeah. So you have somebody that comes in and tries to control how you should live. And, you know, like especially right now with Christianity at the basis of all these abortion laws and all yeah. that nonsense, it's just what it becomes. People are telling other people how to live. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it should be about. Exactly. It's not about control, but it always ends up being that way. Yeah. So... So um, I know we, we talked a little bit about dating. I'm curious about, like, do your parents uh, have any expectation for you? Are they like, bring us a nice Caribbean girl? They're just like, just get married at this point. I don't I'm sure they do. At one point, my mom wanted me, like, you know, she said, it's got to be a Haitian woman and all of that. And I've did a lot of Haitians. You know, I came here when I was 19 years old. So the mm -hmm. first early years of my life were just Haitian women. But then you come to America and there's a wider variety of people. And then I'm in a business where there's not that many Haitian women per se. So mm -hmm. I'm open to whoever. I did. All, my girlfriend right now is a Indian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yay. I'm like, what? Yeah, brown girl. Yeah, go South Asians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, win. yeah. Brown girls. Yeah, she's first generation. Um, yeah. Most of them are Hindu or neither. She's, she's Hindu, but she doesn't really yeah. practice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
That is cool. So mm. maybe you can help us out with our, our first segment. We have a dating segment called 50 Shades of Brown. Oh, okay. <laughs> and we have listeners write in some of their uh, dating questions. Um, also, did you tell your parents about her? Like, is it more open oh, yeah, in your great. culture to like, or they don't really care? Uh, I mean, at this point, my parents just, yeah. They don't care that much. Okay. My sister has kids, so that pressure is off of oh, me. Oh, that helps. So mm-hmm. they get to be grandparents. That's good. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Brown. Yeah, so I'm trying to see what's a good question for you. I'm, I kind of... Um, Which one? I like this one because I think this is an important one for people to, to kind of know. Oh, yeah, that's like, a good especially one. Especially in New York yeah, where we... I like to see his thoughts on that. Yeah, so this person asks, how much post-breakup time is required to be single slash happy before getting back into dating? Hmm. Post-breakup time. Um, I think that... Generally speaking, will depend on the person. And first of all, depend on the person, how you bounce back from disappointment. Some people right. might need, you know, six months crying in bed to just forget about someone. Yeah. And some people might need like three days and go sleep with someone else. And they're like, all right, I'm good. And I think it also depends on how long and meaningful the relationship was. That might decide how long it takes you to get over it. Yeah, there's a lot of factors. Yeah, for that. like a, a six month relationship and a 15 year relationship, I'm sure mm-hmm. it's gonna be very difficult what to get the, over that other yeah. one. Yeah, what, what is the formula? It's like half the like amount that. of time that you were with the person. And yeah. I, it's funny because. Maybe like, it's a good guide, yeah. but right. I don't know if it's universally true. No, yeah, but mm-hmm. it, for some reason, it was comforting to me when I, I got out of my engagement. That was like so devastating to me, but I don't think I'll ever be that devastated because my approach on relationships and yeah. attachment. How long were you engaged? Uh, like two years, and we were together five years almost. Wow. So, and this was a Palestinian guy. We took him like. So it was perfect on paper. On paper, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. a nightmare in real life. Um, but you know, my parents were on board because they don't know anything. They're yeah. like about him, and you know, they were just seeing, uh, you know, his credentials <laughs> um, of being Palestinian, Muslim, raised, whatever. Um, but it, now I don't. But it was comforting for me to think of that. I'm like, okay, yeah. in two years' time or three years, like I was really just thinking about, like I really won't give a shit. And it has been like three years since we broke up. And like, I mean, it took less than that. I would say the first six months to a year are really rough when you, especially because you're like grieving like the the loss of a future. And now, um, you know, my my therapist and Reiki healer always tell me, she's like, love without attachment to an outcome. And that's yeah. also something yeah. very like, Buddhist and and, and mm-hmm. that that helps me a lot now. So it's like that's even if you love for a day, so you love for a week. For yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's you hard. Stay in the present in yeah. the stay relationship. In the present. Yeah, absolutely. Not to say they can't plan, but um, I agree with you. And like, uh, it depends on the depth of the relationship. That's yeah, because you could be with someone a year and it be like whatever. Someone who absolutely. is not committal, mm-hmm. yeah. and you could be in an intense three month like love affair and then really be heartbroken. Yeah. After That's that. happened to me where I was like really attached in just a few months and it took me like a year, which is probably a lot. It's a lot of time, but I was really just like, no one was um, adding up like enough as like that person was. So it's like yeah. I was dating, but I was like, I just, I'm still so torn. Right. But that's what I do. Well, I just you, like, would you say you were in love? Potentially. <laughs> I like Sabine's lawyer response. <laughs> I plead the fifth. We can. Yeah. <laughs> Are you running for Congress? Just give me real answers, all right? <laughs> Fine. I was in love. Yeah. Jesus. That's nothing wrong with that. Wait, put What's her in cuffs. With... Yeah. <laughs> Take me yeah. away. <laughs> Calgon. <laughs> 
Being in love is great. It's fun. It's nice. I I know that. Yeah. But <laughs> you you like painful. guilty of admitting it. You like afraid of admitting it to yourself. I am. But so am. we're gonna move on. But I've been in love with <laughs> shitty people, and so then you look back and you're like, yeah. that's why. That's why the thing for me is like, ah, oh, he kind of sucked, and I was in love with him. But it's your like definition that. of love also changes as you that's meet true. different people, right? right? Your right. depth of love or your type of love, depending on the person, I think. Because your heart sometimes doesn't know what's good for you. Your heart just mm. wants what's fun and exciting. And, you know, love is a chemical thing that sometimes leads you wrong. Yeah. Because your feelings are not always right. And that's also something you learn with Buddhism. Like, feelings, as much as they are true and real, they don't always lead you to the right path because feelings are transient. Like, you just feel what you feel as an evolutionary mechanism to sort of protect yourself or chase something that's good. And... The, 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 the middle path of Buddhism is sort of like be happy without chasing happiness and be sad without wanting sadness to end. So whatever's happening, just be okay with it yeah. and let it go when it's time for it to go, even if it's good or bad. Yeah. Well, do you have mm-hmm. any... T- I think that's, that's a wise thing to apply to everything, just, again, non-attachment. But I wonder... So are there things that have helped you guys get over, like, breakups that we could maybe help our listeners with? Are there things that you do when you go through a breakup that help you? I think it's, generally speaking, because of the world we live in, I think it's good to sort of cut the person off, but not in yes. a mean way. I'm all yeah. about non no contact. These yeah, people who keep like, things messy right. and in between. Yeah, I, I don't need to see your social I, media anymore. No, yeah. no. I don't need that's the word. That. A, Just let it be. I'm a, that's mm-hmm. a big one. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for me, it's just focusing on other relationships. Like, I really try to just put my energy in, like, other places. Because if I don't and I have too much energy, I will think about that person. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, we're going to just do more comedy. Okay, we're just going to maybe pray more. Or we're just going to, like, you know, focus on my friendships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important to mourn the relationship. Mm-hmm. Not longer than you need to, but just take time to realize that that was an important thing to me and now it's over. And it's okay to be sad about it. And mm-hmm. I'll be sad for however long I need to be. And then I won't be sad anymore. And that's fine. Yeah. But if you're fighting the sadness of it, I think that will make it last longer. And then you'll just be in a hole for I a little agree. bit. I agree. And the pushing away of any feeling of like, I shouldn't feel this way. That just makes you yeah. feel now guilty yeah. on top of what you're yeah. already feeling. Well, that's something yeah. I used to do big time. Like, mm-hmm. I never understood how to be in love and dating and all this stuff. Like, it was always, it's so messy for me. And, like, I always had so much guilt attached with it. Because I was like, yeah. oh, I'm not married and I shouldn't feel things until I'm married. And, like, it was, yeah, so it was really messy for me. I would always yeah. be guilty. TJ, why don't you get into tennis? <laughs> oh, yeah, so you guys you play know, tennis. Uh, and then I whooped his ass the first match. Yeah. Ooh, the second one, he kind of yeah. beat me, so it's fine. Yeah, she was getting really angry. She was like, all right, I'm going to go. <laughs> I don't want to play anymore. I, actually, you know, my ankle was still really injured, mm-hmm. and I had to go. Excuses. So. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I live a life where if I find something I'm remotely interested in, I'm like, oh, let me chase this thing just to see if there's something more than just an interest. And during the pandemic, I was watching a lot of tennis. It's always been like a background sport for me as a kid. And hey, like I knew the names like Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, and you yeah. know, Serena uh, and no. Venus. Well, yeah, I only know but, the 
But it's a, it's a middle class sport. So like if you're a kid in Haiti, you play soccer because you can make a ball out of socks and strings. So if you, mm-hmm. you know, you pour, you just find two stones and put them in the streets and that's a goal and then you can play Same soccer. Um, yeah, I guess right. that's why in all of our, yeah, soccer's huge Yeah, soccer is the, it's the like, sport of the world. That makes sense because, yeah, I didn't think about it's really it. really easy to put yeah. together. Super easy. And you don't even need equipment. You can play in the streets barefoot. You just have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But tennis, you need a racket that's sometimes $150, and yeah. it's one of those. And then, where are you going to find a net? And then you got to restring it. You got to have. Exactly. And also a surface. Good balls. The, yeah. You can't play on any surface. No, no. You need either concrete or clay or grass. There's just a lot of maintenance. Mm-hmm. But I started watching it a lot, and I was like, oh, I like this a lot because I could see a lot of parallels between tennis and performing comedy. I know that's weird to say. Okay, how so? Just because it's, it's very. Tension breaking when you're playing tennis. Sort mm-hmm. of like when you, you start a point and then you have this back and forth with the person that's across the net. And you build, the longer it goes, the more tension you build. Yeah. And then whoever wins the point does a release. So when you're watching tennis with a crowd, sometimes that'll be like a 50 shot rally. And then you could cut the tension in the room with like a fucking knife. And then you can see everybody's on the edge of their seat waiting yeah. to see how that's going to end. And to me, that's a punchline to a good joke. Oh, that's a really good point. I never thought about it like that. Right. It's that's very cool. cinematic. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I'll watch something. And I'll be like, oh my God, it's going to happen. Someone's going to miss. Someone's gonna, and you're just like, well, right. who's going to, who's going to Yeah, gonna be? you're waiting. And then there's explosion. Mm-hmm. And I also find that, you know, when tennis is bad, it's very, like when the people playing are not it's like good. like an open mic. <laughs> it's very boring. Like comedy. When yeah, you're watching people who aren't good at comedy, it fucking sucks. It can be really bad. And then when you watch somebody at the highest level, you're like, oh, this is heavenly. This is yeah. fucking great. And mm-hmm. it's the same way for comedy and tennis. Mm, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. it's like that's the back cool. and forth can be really beautiful. Oh, like, it's, it's amazing. And then you're like... Yeah. What's, ha- what's gonna happen? <laughs> You're so yeah. engaged. Yeah. When yeah, did you pick cool. up a racket for first time? I picked up a racket for the first time. I remember 2010, I worked at a summer camp and I was a soccer instructor. And the girl who was the tennis instructor, we started dating. Ooh, scandalous. Yeah, a little, little summer love. <laughs> yeah, she was Pakistani and Scottish. Oh, snap. <laughs> yeah, Aisha. Aisha was her name. Ooh. Yeah, and she taught me some fundamentals in tennis. I was like, oh, this is a cool sport, but I never tried to, like, pursue it. And then during the pandemic, it became a thing that I watched so much. And I was like, oh, I want to learn this because it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, I bought a racket cool. last year, and then I just started going to those free courts where we play sometimes in bed and that's where I sort of yeah. cool. learned how to do it. Those are yeah. the Jackie Robinson ones. They're by your place. Oh, yeah. Oh, you live in that neighborhood, too? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She gave me the ball the I want to play. Yeah, yeah. That's... I only used that ball to massage my back. Yeah. <laughs> but I took tennis in college. Oh, those were her balls. Those okay, her you told balls. me your friend. I was like, I, who was that? You would d- disclose what a friend was. random like, friend. Oh, I know I didn't fear. know you wanted me to disclose it, but yeah. Yeah, you could have. I'd be like, my oh, balls, I know her fear. Yeah. Yeah. You put so my funny. balls out there. No, um... <laughs> I'm still waiting for my replacement for my back. I have, but, I have all the tennis. Balls. I, I was gonna bring them today. I forgot. No, no, but yes. I do want to play. I do want to yeah, play. Um, anytime. But I, I, I played like a little bit in high school, like just the courts. But it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Um, and it, I realized I don't have that kind of coordination. Like I'm better with basketball, but I would okay. like to play more tennis. You play basketball? Some comics I play sometimes on Saturdays with comics and Bush. Oh yeah, they've invited me. I think I. Yeah, Saturday is kind of hard, but I 
I also am like, women play? Soul? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carmen Lagala plays with us. Oh, a lot. Carmen's really? good. See, I yeah. want to suck in front yeah. of comedians. You I'll know play. How- I'll play. You know, the thing is, I used to play in like rec leagues, like for fun, like with my work people, but like the guys would get so intense. And like, I was like shooting a ball one time, and this guy just rammed into me. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, this is for fun. You're yeah. telling me about that. People yeah, need I remember. To not get so if people crazy are like not it. insane, I would love to yeah, play. Yeah, the comics, we're just playing for fun. Yeah. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll play. That's good. We'll go practice before. That's what I'm Warm up. Well, speaking of, uh, is tennis considered a white sport? Probably. You say it was like a, it a is, but yeah. I think yeah. I think that's bullshit because I think it's limiting yeah, other people. people who might want to play it. But I think because it, it's like, a middle class sport, really, yeah. is what it is. It's a rich person, generally. So that's sport. why it's like it, it excludes. And I hate when people like assume middle class or rich means white and other people aren't part. Right. And I think it's bullshit. Yeah, That's well, true. There's so many Asians that play tennis. Oh, Asians it's, love tennis. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's a, why my dad got me. Like, I, there's so many brown girls I know that play tennis. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a good moneymaker for a lot of people in Eastern Europe. Like, Russian girls are big on tennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Croatia, all those countries with names that ends in itch or over. Yeah. Yeah. Maria Sharapova. Yeah. Oh, wow. She's so tall. That's interesting. Okay. Well, um, TJ, we have one last segment for you. It's called okay. Keeping Up with the Caucasians. <laughs> so this segment where we talk about different things, so activities, uh, you know, whatever, food, mm-hmm. beverage, all these things, we're going to give you categories to choose from, and then we talk about things that white people do and whether we as people of color also do these things. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you want to read so out the different... we've got some categories, and you can pick... <laughs> very official. I'm very curious about all kinds of stuff. So there might be a lot of them that I do or have done. Maybe. Food or beverage, Mm -hmm. pop culture, music, activities, style, clothes, trending news, phrases or sayings, miscellaneous. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have to have a category. Any of those categories, yeah. Food and beverage are just one category? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do food and beverage. That's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun one. We'll we'll get to see how mm. white you are. <laughs> oh yeah, you know what? That one. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> how do you feel about acai bowls? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's a fad. It's whatever. Have you eaten them? them? Have you? I've had one. I've had one. They're so expensive. Yeah. They're expensive. How did you feel about it? Did you like it? It was whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You didn't get a, I do think they're really I, overpriced. I, I think I got it somewhere in Union Square. I don't oh. remember specifically. But was it yeah. like mixed with a bunch of stuff and like yep. nuts and all this? Yep. Yeah. I couldn't get into it. I was like, this just feels like a, like a, a fruit that's pureed. I'm not like. Yeah. I like, like it, anything. but I buy the Trader Joe's ones now, the frozen ones, because those are okay. cheap. I do shout like, out to Trader Joe's. Tra- shout, I like yeah, love they really help you has. eat well on a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the acai bowls. I do think it's absurd that it's when you go to a place like an entire acai like smoothie bowl place, <laughs> and it's like literally like fifteen, seventeen dollars. That's insane. Um, yeah. So and and acai isn't. A Brazilian fruit or something, but yeah, it's because it's they from there. in sensationalized acai is like, oh, the next like superfood, and that is like a nutritionist also That's like gets on my last. Yeah, superfood. Super yeah, yeah, I hate but, that. Well, and, they did that with kale too. And kale, it's like a next quinoa. Thing. They also quinoa, did that with quinoa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But are they actually superfoods? Like, were they like, no, or was not. it just? There's advertising? no such thing. It's just it's That's not a term. I'm, like, okay, because I want a superfood in my life. I mean, okay, berries in general are really healthy. I don't know why they pick. Acai is one of them. Greens are really healthy. Like some just have different nutrients than others. Um, I think they just like the word acai or the yeah. It's fun to say. Yeah, I I called it a kai for a long time. I said it does look like a kai the first time you see it. It does. I wouldn't think because it's got that little accent mark. I don't know that alone. That's I don't. And here's here's another one. 
different flavors of hummus. Oh God, like cho- that was a big. Have you ever run- had like a chocolate hummus or a strawberry? That seems unnecessary. It's, it's so weird. I like in my head, hummus is chickpeas. Yeah. So like, I, yeah. it makes it's no savory, sense with anything else. And it's what not- do they put in it to make? I guess they put chocolate in it. They put chocolate or strawberry. That and almost sounds gross. It is because those I've are two it. very different there's a flavors. Whole, there, season one, there's a whole episode where we try all the different flavors. White, white like people do that thing. Yeah. yeah. God, that do. was like. Uh, that that's like mm. blasphemy to, to me. To me, that's almost <laughs> like having like a like a sugary pasta or like having like a sweet sauce. Yeah, like yeah. A, you know. I hate when does like if there's a food you like, just eat it in the way the people that develop Thank it you. meant for it to Thank be you. eaten. Exactly. Yes. And that's what the thing is like. White people will pervert our foods and then like try to yeah. make it sound yeah. like try to upcharge it first of all yeah mm-hmm. and then try to sell it to you as a different thing and it's like this is disgusting like why why are you making it more complicated than it yeah. is and you're making unhealthier and then also i've seen some like white bean dip hummus like chocolate and it's like this is not hummus hummus yeah. literally <laughs> means chickpeas yeah like so yeah. Oh, is that what the word means yeah, hummus yeah. Is the, the, pe- the chickpea. right 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 yeah. yeah it's like i never seen a dessert meatloaf yeah <laughs> Okay, that's going to be next. Okay, so you've never tried it. No. Okay, I have you not. passed. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Have you tried it? Me? Chocolate hummus? No, I remember seeing and it for the I first time. Will not oh, try pumpkin it. spice hummus is the one that's real egregious. Like that one. Oh, pumpkin spice? <laughs> yes. Obnoxious. Like, oh, God. Yeah. You I've never seen a pumpkin, it. I don't remember my grandmother putting that <laughs> in the blender, pumpkins, or even using a blender, first of all. But yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Good to know you haven't. Uh, uh, appropriated or I don't know whatever white culture yeah. it's not really appropriation they've appropriated our shit yeah it's, and it's then stupidity at this point mm-hmm. I like trying stuff but sometimes people try too hard to make things more interesting than it like it's already interesting yeah. in and of itself yeah. why are you doing this see I like I really like what you said about just trying things from a cuisine and the way it was meant to be right to, yeah. Because clearly it's there for hundreds of years for a reason because those people mm-hmm. perfected how it's supposed to be done. <laughs> like people are like, you know what? Actually, this isn't good enough. Let me, yeah, let me add my own little <laughs> twist. Let me. <laughs> um, well, that's how you play Keeping Up with the Caucasians. You pass, you pass. You pass. You are not a white. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, TJ, thank you for being on. How can yeah. our listeners find you? Anything that you want to plug and follow you? Where can they I'm uh, at TJ Stand Up on Instagram and Twitter. Those are the two I really, I really use Instagram. I don't like Twitter. Same. It's more mentally I don't like it. But follow us anyway yeah. on there. But yeah. yeah, follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram at TJ Stand Up. And the thing I would like to plug is I'm having a lot of fun doing this show at The Cellar and it's called The Cellar Chronicles and it's a show where I combine stand-up comedy and talk show. Oh, where yeah. I invite cool. one comedian and they do a set, I do a set, and then we sit down and talk for like 45 minutes and it's been a lot of fun that People is so cool. The, That's great. I've been seeing the clips like on that, yeah. and I'm yeah, like, I'm yeah. loving it. I was yeah, like, that's such an interest. Did you pitch that idea to them? You're yeah, like- yeah, I pitched it to them because I I did a version of that show early on, um, maybe when I was three, four years in, because I just thought like I think. Talking to people after yeah. you see them do a set is interesting because because you see the person behind the you see the jokes and I think it would be cool to see who's the person behind the jokes. Right. So that's how I started doing it, and then I've done it in different venues. And then when, once I got into the cellar, I saw they were like sort of experimenting with shows, and I was like, oh, let me pitch that show to them to see how it goes. And yeah. so far, it's been good. That's great. That's awesome. And how often is that? Show? Every other week. The next one is going to be July sixth, and okay. I'm having Sean Patton. 
Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, That's Sean. great. Okay, well, follow TJ. Follow us at No Fly List Pod. You can follow me at Theory Yakub. You can follow me at, at Sabine Comedy. And thank you, Canal Street Market, for having us. Oh, yeah. Thanks, TJ. Thank you. Thanks, TJ.